episode 18 of fractured skulls it is sunday december 27th uh what is it after 11 i guess the time doesn't matter terminator charles alongside my good pal monoxide what a shitty uh i mean this was christmas weekend but unfortunately this weekend ended with uh very bad news ah yeah i uh it was weird because um (laughs) well i uh, why don't we Talk before I even get to my story. Let's talk about news. Is uh, Brody Lee, John Huber, Luke Harper, whatever name you remember him as, passed away Saturday, or at least it was announced Saturday. He passed away. Um, I've watched the guy for like at least eleven years when he was wrestled for Chikara, PWG, uh, Jersey All Pro. He wrestled for quite a bit of uh, numerous independent promotions. And it was just strange because um, a personal friend of yours and mine, I was on the phone with, talking, catching up on stuff. And my wife basically showed me the uh, the actual clip. Or not the clip, uh, a, a link of uh, them announcing that he had passed away. And I was absolutely floored because... It, it, it didn't ring right to me that the dude had not been on TV for like two months without any sort of um, announcement saying that he's out with an injury. I was quite floored about that. Like, why is he not on TV? There's no reason unless he's injured or maybe he contracted COVID and is going through the two-week quarantine. We've come to find out that apparently the cause of death had no relation to COVID. It was a lung-related issue. Uh, it, just, it just seems so sudden. Like, just out of nowhere. Just, uh, like... Earlier this year, when we lost Shad Gaspar, I did not have the same reaction to that as I did to this. Because with Shad, it was... I hope it doesn't get misinterpreted what I say. Even though it sucks that he died, at least he didn't die in vain. He saved his son. He saved his son from a a, a, a tide that was coming in. So it's kind of like, it sucks that he died. But when I knew he went missing in the ocean, I was kind of like, eh, man, it, it doesn't look good. But you can have a smile on your face knowing that the dude literally just saved his son and it showed how courageous that man was. Here it was just like, you're just relaxing one moment and then the next moment it just hits you right in the face that this dude died and at 41 the dude just debuted in may with AEW. unfortunately he did not get to debut with an audience which would have gotten a big ovation by august he won the tnt title two months later he drops it to cody again and i am still by it because the dude's got two kids he's got a wife who are now going to have to live the rest of their life without their husband slash father hopefully one of them carries on his father's legacy want to understand they're a big wrestling fan it's this has got to be I mean for me personally it's the most heart-wrenching death since Roddy Piper but the most shocking, in my opinion, the most shocking since I would say 
either Ultimate Warrior or Chris Benoit. And Ultimate Warrior is only because of the timing. And Chris Benoit because he was still active at the time and it was just out of nowhere too. But obviously the Benoit thing has way different circumstances than this. So. But uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know what else to add for that point. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, Saturday night, I just got home from, uh, hanging out with, uh, Anthony versus Evil Dead and Mar- Marvelli. Uh, I got, Anthony, he texted me first. That's how I got the news for it, because I didn't go on Twitter yet, and I, he texted me that, uh, Brody Lee at that. I was like, what? And then the first thing I did was message you about it. I'm like, yo, Brody Lee, like, Brody Lee passed away. And then, and then I said, then I went on Twitter, and then I saw everybody talking to him, and I was like, oh. Like, talk about, as you mentioned, unexpected. Because I believe you met, when he dropped his belt to Cody, I believe they had like a doll collar match or an OTQ match. I believe that was, his last, that was his last ever match. I thought he was gone the whole time just to sell that match and to sell his defeat to Cody. Yeah. Just, just to find out, um, I guess he probably told him. Again, we don't know the whole story on how, on everything that happened. Maybe he told AEW events, like, you know, I'm. Uh, I have something going on with me right now. I would need to take some time off to, uh, you know, figure this out. And then, uh, uh, like, I, I'm still speechless by it because it was just so unexpected. I mean, we, and we were on the last episode, we were just talking about, like, all these deaths that have been happening in 2020. And we, we really didn't touch upon the wrestling aspect of it too much. I mean, we, I mean, we name-dropped Pat Patterson, and we, you, we just brought up Shad. Uh, and now, now Brody Lee. It, it hurt for me because, again, I had been watching the guy for uh, 11 years. So, it, or maybe even 12. Maybe it had been 2008 when I first discovered Brody Lee. But I, I, it really doesn't matter. The point is, I, I was watching him before he even got signed. And look-wise, he looked different than most pro wrestlers at the point. I, he clearly, uh, face-wise, had Bruiser Brody written all over him. And uh, certain style elements. I wouldn't say he was as... he He's a lot... I, I can't really speak for Brody because I haven't seen a lot of his promos. But based on just listening to uh, Brody Lee, he sounds very intelligent. And he's very well spoken. And that comes with the fact that he came from Rochester. He's not a hillbilly. Um, but that maybe that's my biggest gripe with Vince was that he just couldn't escape the fact that this guy looks the way he does and doesn't talk the way he thinks he should talk and that's why he never gave him any opportunities whatsoever but the dude was very intelligent he could have been bigger than what he was I remember there was a short period in WWE I don't know if many people will remember this but there was a short period where him and AJ Styles were trading matches back and forth to determine the number one contender for the title. And I'm just like, listening to the audience, they were ready to see Luke Harper, in this case, become a number one contender. They were willing to get behind Luke Harper. But they never pulled the trigger. In fact, they slapped him right back with Eric Rowan. And we know how that works. One of them, usually Eric Rowan, gets injured. And then both of them have to go on hiatus. And from that point forward, they just started using Luke Harper less and less. And that was that. Went to AEW, did the exalted one. And you know what happened from there. 
Yeah, yeah, he was so he was so unhappy there. Yeah, he, he requested his release. He wanted to get out, but then the company I think wanted to add six months to his contract because uh, six months he was out uh, of an injury. But eventually, uh, I believe his contract went up. They let him go. He went to AEW, did his thing there. He had his run with the TNT belt, dropped it to Cody, and there uh, a little hardcore match. And that was the last we've ever seen of him on TV. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know what lung issue he had. Not that it really matters. But yeah, this 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 sucks. It really does suck. It's it's not like hearing an old time wrestler like Pat Patterson passing away. It's like okay, that time was gonna come at some point, or uh, Danny Hodge, or or even a Rocky Johnson, The Rock's father. Um, you 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 hear about that type of stuff, or you'll even hear about wrestlers who may have been young but you know of their history you know of their drug or alcohol history or whatever I don't know of Brody's uh, history when it comes to personal stuff I would presume there isn't because there's never been reports of him being arrested for drug or alcohol related offenses but it's it's a blow it uh, I, I'm interested in what Raw is going to do for him Monday, AEW, what they're going to do for him Wednesday. It's going to be an interesting week in pro wrestling because uh, we got, what is it? As of this recording, it's the 27th. We've got four more days in the year left. Still not over. Yeah, still not over yet. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, we had another. You know, big death and Brody Lee. I mean, the thing I was just talking—I was just talking about on uh, Chill and Killing that we lost a producer, um, uh, David Giller, and now it's like almost every other day. We're it's like 2020 is taking is taking something away from us. I, ironically, went through my memories uh, today, and four years ago I made a post in regards to uh, the death of Carrie Fisher. And it, it's funny in a cosmic sort of way, but I literally say, and I quote, Man, 2016 was a busy year for the Grim Reaper. Quite a number of celebrities have fallen. May the force be with you, Princess Leia, always. And now, when we look at 2016 as the year that the Grim Reaper was really busy, um, I think 2020 really... Grim Reaper worked overtime. Yeah, it was like 2016. It was almost like it was just like a red carpet premiere for him. Mm-hmm. So. Oh. Uh, life sucks and then you die. Unfortunately. Yeah. With that... <laughs> we got a movie to review. Yeah, I'm, I was going to try to lighten the mood here a bit. Well, speaking of wrestling... We have a film starring a wrestler entitled Santa Slay. Santa Slay came out in 2005. It stars Bill Goldberg as the killer Santa Claus. Yes. This is your first, this is both me and you, uh, our first time ever seeing this film. I heard of this film years ago. I never t- taken the time to really sit down and watch it. Uh, we finally did. I gotta tell you, man. 
I had a lot of fun with this one. I... Who directed this? David Steinman, a little uh, history behind him. I believe this is his first and only time he's ever directed. He also wrote it. Uh, prior to this, he's been an assistant director for uh, Rush Hour 2. He seems to be a good friend of Brett Reiner, because Brett Reiner was the producer of this film. And I'm pretty sure that's how, with uh, Brett Reiner's connection, he was able to get um, uh, Chris Kattan, Fran Drescher, James Conn in that opening scene. Otherwise, I don't know how the hell he was able to get to all those big names just to do that small-ass scene. Uh, this guy hasn't done anything since, so um, he just came and gone. He get... <laughs> Hollywood's like, yeah, adios, pal. I don't think so. <laughs> I... This is 2005, so this was a year after Goldberg left WWE. Because he left in 2004 after WrestleMania 20. Brock. <laughs> I presume he looked at this script and knew for a fact this was going to be what it was. There was no way anybody could look at this film and not chuckle at just the plot of it all. That apparently Santa Claus is a real person he actually is a miserable killer who hates everyone and everything. But in the year 2000, and, no, no, excuse me, 1005 AD, he had some sort of, what's that game where you, you rolled a little piece of clay? I forgot yeah, the you name. Like a, yeah, curling. you have a piece, yes. Curling. He lost a curling match to some random individual and... The bet was, since he lost and got too arrogant thinking he was going to win, if he lost, for the next 1,000 years, he had to portray himself as a kind, warm-hearted individual that gives away gifts. Well, the 1,000 years was up, and now he can go back to being a miserable killer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, Yes, uh, Santa Claus, he's a, a spawn of Satan, kind of like, I guess, how angels are like a spawn of God. So Santa Claus was always evil, so I guess there's no, there's no Krampus in this universe. He lost a game of curling to an angel. Why did they, now, had the angel lost this game of curling to Santa, Santa, apparently the deal was that Santa was going to bring hell upon God and heaven for the rest of eternity. But if he would have lost this game, he had to be good for the he had to be good for the next thousand years. Why only a thousand years? Why not have him be good for all eternity? <laughs> Even the stakes here ain't. <laughs> when, when when I heard about this film, and I knew Goldberg was Santa Claus, I said to myself, he needs to do at least one jackhammer and one spear. I got one of the two. Technically. There's a part in the film where this uh, deli owner is behind a counter. And Goldberg, as Santa Claus, plows through the glass and spears the guy. So I got one of what I wanted. But I didn't get the jackhammer. No, no jackhammer. I'm not sure how the hell uh, Goldberg got this part. I don't know if this... Uh... Uh, David Guy's a fan of wrestling. Maybe he uh, maybe he saw uh, Goldberg's sides. Maybe you know it. That's my killer. And I guess that's how we got the part. 
I mean, he's not the first. This isn't the first time Goldberg's been in a film. I know he did uh, Looney Tunes back in action, which came out in 2003. I'm assuming he filmed this right before he went to WWE. And back in the late 90s, he did the, the Universal Soldier film with uh, John claude Goddamn. He also did uh, Longest Yard. Yes, and he did Longest Yard. I believe he did that. I think they count the same year as this. Uh, 2005. Uh, 2005, 2006. Because... Yeah, it might have been 2005, because Great Kali was in the film, and uh, that was before he actually debuted in WWE. Yeah, it's 2005, according to Wikipedia. And he, along with Great Kali, Steve Austin, Kevin Nash, and Bob Sapp, would star in that film. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to talk about the opening scene in this movie. This is uh, one of my favorite opening scenes ever to a film. It is so ridiculously stupid and fun that I, I ended up rewinding the clip at least five times just to keep rewatching this scene because I love it so much. Go ahead. We have uh, a cast. We have uh, the Mason family, who's played by James Caan. You have Chris Kattan and whatever career he had left at this point. Uh, Fran Drescher and two twins. I'm not sure who they are. They're all at their at a little their little Christmas dinner table talking about their wealth and how rich they are and blah 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 blah. In comes Santa Claus. They hear noise on top of the roof. You you would think it's his reindeer. And boom, Gober comes crashing into the chimney, kicks the dog into the um uh the fan the ceiling fan, <laughs> kills the dog, stabs James Khan's hands with a with, I believe it was a knife and a fork. One of the twin girls passed out. And her neck penetrated through uh, the dog's uh, little bed. It had like, had like a wooden spike and her, and her neck went right through it. That's so, so like whacked out and so much shit was going on that I couldn't even remember everything that happened. Because Santa Claus killed quite a bit of people. He, he set a friend Dresher's hair on fire. <laughs> and then drowned her in the eggnog. What did he do to Chris Catan? I forgot. He he kicked him into the uh uh the t- not the table stand but um where they where they display all the plates and the glass in those cabinets. He kicked him to like a cabinet, a glass cabinet. And it must be one hell of a kick because it killed him. Santa Claus back and he's pissed. Santa's back. He's pissed. He's going after all these. Oh, he's going after all the Jewish families. Oh. <laughs> And uh, he ends up killing uh, uh, James Caan. He st- sticks a chicken bone, uh, chicken leg in his mouth, and then slams his head into the table, and killing him in the process. He took he took a, a star from top of the tree and killed the other twin, uh, and stabbed her, you know, in the back, penetrated her right in the back. And that was your opening scene to Santa Slay. Just just setting the entire tone of the entire movie. I fucking loved it. Amazing. Amazing to think that the person who directed this came up with the idea. Okay, we need we need a concept for a film. I got it. I got it. Santa Claus was actually a fucking murderous bastard all along. He is not nice. And the reason that he can't kill is because he lost a curling match a thousand years ago. To which... The thousand-year depth is up. He goes and kills again. Only for the film to continue doing a curling match. They try to do a rematch with this angel. 
and Santa. Only for when the guy's about to curl, he th- Santa th- tries to throw him in that little pit of hell. Why didn't Santa try to do that the first time? And when they had their curly rematch, Angel said, now this time, if I win, you can never do this again. Why the fuck didn't you say that the first time? Yeah, like, uh, and, and I don't get why, uh, who is the main character's name? Uh, Nicholas. Why was he under the assumption that if uh, Christmas is over, then Santa Claus is just going to stop doing what he's doing? Yeah, oh yeah, we're in his little now. Now, of course, I guess we're talking about Nicholas and his girlfriend Mary. They were the main characters. Uh, um, Nicholas, he lives with his grandpa. It is later revealed that the grandpa was the angel that beat Santa in that curling match a thousand years ago. I guess I, I don't know how his human powers works. I, don't, I guess he was on Earth for a thousand years. I don't. I don't know. That was never explained. But uh, grandpa had a book. Uh, and basically talking about the lores and the myth of uh, well, myth quotations of Santa Claus and it never explained in the book that Santa stops killing or he has like a runtime of whenever he goes on his killing spree now does he do this only around Christmas time is it throughout December the whole month does he do this all year long he just travels to different parts of the country and just goes on a killing spree that was never that was never explained because we then later well during the middle of the film during his spree he goes to a stripper joint. Called. Why does Santa Claus go to a stripper club? It's, it's a stripper club called Gold Diggers. <laughs> you also gotta note that this is a very small town. A very small town that has a stripper club. Meaning that if you're a stripper and you live in this town, you're gonna be seeing a lot of your clients on the streets and you better hope they don't notice you. <laughs> Well, not just that, but why did in in all of the towns did Santa Claus decide on this town in particular? That's where he's got to show his reign of terror. If he's this unstoppable, wouldn't he want to go to like New York City? Like Jason went to New York City. Nobody stopped yeah, him. Yeah, it took him eight movies to get there. Well, eight eight and a half because uh, half of the movie he, he he was on a boat. Okay, eight and a half. Well, I can understand Santa coming to this town because I guess he knew this is where the angel that defeated him was staying, and he wanted to get revenge by well, attacking the angel. angel. Why are you killing all these random people for no reason? He's got he's got to make up all those ears before I get to before I get to this angel guy. Let me go to the strip club. And give give yeah. me a nice piece of ass. Yeah, I'm bored. I've got nothing better to do. Now, we got to talk about, of course, the strip club scene because there's two things I wanted to bring up. Oh. One, this was where he met his wife, actually. Goldberg's wife. Real life. Do you remember the scene where she's, like, on the swing and then Goldberg jumps up there and his head's, like, between her legs? Yes. That's his wife. That's where he met her. And secondly, according to the Internet Movie Database, he's listed as uncredited. Vince Russo is apparently one of the customers uh, in that stripper scene. One of the guys that tries to fight Goldberg. I've taken a good look at this guy, and he does not look like Vince Russo at all. So I'm going to assume that it's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see Vince Russo. Or anything that would look like Vince Russo. But you also got to remember, this is 2005. Um, At this point, Vince Russo... I guess Vince Russo was on TV quite a bit because he was on TV in 2003. 
the TNA sex angle, but I wouldn't have remembered what he looked like at this point, because by this point, I think he was off TV a lot, and only did like maybe one shoot interview, so I don't know. Uh, (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if Vince Russo was involved in something like this, he probably was like, oh bro, this this is genius. Like, this is the type of movie that would piss off Jim Cornette, for sure. Yes. <laughs> he, wouldn't want, he wouldn't want to watch this for two seconds. Again, uh, Santa Claus, he goes to a stripper club, kills off all these customers. He may have killed a few strippers, I can't really remember. Uh, I think he ends up setting the place on fire, too. Do you know how he set the place on fire? He threw a lump of coal. <laughs> oh, yeah! And it went off like a grenade! <laughs> Fucking believable this <laughs> Oh my god. Like oh, uh, the, the shit that people come up with to th- that that is for entertainment purposes. There was one other scene I wanted to talk about. It was like my favorite line in the film. Um we're, we're taken to Grandpa's house. Uh Nicholas and his girlfriend uh Mary are talking and uh Mary gives uh Nicholas a Christmas gift. He's like, what, you know, he opens it, like, what is it? She's like, you know, she's like, open it. So he opens the gift, and it's a gun. He says, I don't mean to sound mean, but he says, are you fucking retarded? That was pretty funny. (laughs) She's like, no, it's not a gun. And then she uh, takes the gun apart. It's a transformer. There was one part where um, Nicholas and a cop were going back and forth because uh, there were two sergeants or two cops named Cock and Bush. And he kept referencing, uh, so which cop is better? Oh, I like Cock more than Bush type of deal. And he's like, oh, so you like Cock? Uh, yeah, Cock's really good. Oh, uh, so you don't like Bush? Yeah, Bush doesn't really do for me uh, like Cock. Oh, I heard Cock's a pain in the ass. That was funny. I mean, there were some real fucking classic moments here. And it's so weird. It's in a movie like this. <laughs> was it straight to DVD? Yes, it was. Oh, wow. It, it, was, it wasn't Paint straight to theater. Shocked. It was straight to somewhere. <laughs> Paint me shocked that this was not a, a theater release. It, it may have gotten a limited release, but I don't remember this film ever having a big theatrical release. It's not a long film. It's only about what? It's not even eighty yeah. minutes. It's like seventy-five. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. There was not much to it. It's just Santa Claus is back. He's pissed because he's still angry that he lost a curling match a thousand years ago, and now that his debt has been paid, he's here to fuck shit up. Uh, I like to also mention that uh, another actor, uh, uh, Debo's in this film. Yeah, he's uh, the gas station guy. I love how he comes on screen and all of a sudden you hear like this hip-hop music in the background. Because <laughs> he's like the only black guy in town. So of course, oh yeah, that's the hip-hop guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Because, you know, black people only listen to hip-hop, right? That's just- <laughs> yep, that's, that's their logic. Uh, what a movie this was. I, I, I can't say I hated it, because... I didn't it was, hate it. It, it, it. it wasn't long. I it was scratching my head wondering who, what drugs were they on when they came up with this. 
And I, you can clearly tell Goldberg had a fucking great time doing this shit. Right, Goldberg was having a time of his life. <laughs> he was like, I don't give a shit. I'm getting paid all this fucking money just to star in this goofy ass film. He don't care. And nor should he. It was fun. It, it, it was a. It, it's a film that has a crazy concept. A uh, ridiculous concept. Obviously, the obviously the director was self-aware of what he was doing, what he was writing. All the actors involved knew what the what type of film this was. We reviewed silly films like the Jack Frost movies, but this, um, when it comes to the silliness of being self-aware, this was obviously way better done than those two films. I mean, hell, that just had a bigger budget, bigger names. I mean, it had Brett Ratner attached to it, uh, who's uh, well, I, I. I think as of right now he's on the blacklist, as he had uh, people came out and said their shit about him when uh, when everyone was speaking out on all these nasty people in Hollywood. Hashtag me too. Hashtag me too. With that said, I I recommend this film as as I mentioned uh, when I recommended Jack Frost too. You got you kind of have to have a, a guilty pleasure for these type of movies. Don't take it serious. You just gotta have fun with it. Suspend your disbelief. Suspend your mind. Put it somewhere else, and just have fun. Oh, yeah. I also wanted to bring up the old lady at the shop. Oh, that, oh my gosh, you <laughs> crazy as hell. I love how the uh, the owner. He's like, "Happy holidays." Don't get too political with me. I'm sorry. Merry it's Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then when she's in the car, she can't even see over the wheel. <laughs> she's swerving all over the road. <laughs> she's swerving all over the road. Santa's honking at her. She flips him off and he flips the car, killing her. <laughs> oh, my God. This movie is so like literally there's a point where Santa who tries to kill these people drives a fucking Zamboni to try and kill why them. not why not evil reindeers I guess they didn't have the budget for that I, I don't know we could have saw evil Rudolph I mean I I, had, I I got some crazy ideas too they could have done with this you could have an evil red nose and there's blood coming out of it I don't know yeah, like Rudolph is actually like one of Satan's little goblins or something that follows him around. You could have had Jack Frost tag along with him. <laughs> the Jack Frost, though, not not just a Jack Frost. Um, so at the end of the film, um, Goldberg got hit with a rocket launcher by one of the uh, by one of the other people. He got shot out of the sky, so you assume he's dead, supposedly, until the end credit scene. He, he's buying a plane ticket. Yeah, he was going to Canada. Canada, well, Canada probably continue traveling up north. Yes, and he looked more Goldberg-esque in this scene than he did in the rest of the film. Because in the rest of the film, he tried his best to be this evil Santa Claus. That I'm still upset he didn't do a jackhammer. That would have been. So <laughs> you really, you really wanted that jackhammer. That would have been fucking hilarious. They th at that point they would have drilled it to the audience that they are self-aware that this film is not meant to be taken seriously. He could have done it. He should have done it to the pastor. 
could have. I, I would have taken anybody. I, even the old grandpa who hated uh, Christmas. But now we know why he did. I... I, I got nothing left else left to say, but uh, this is going to be our last film to conclude uh, Christmas month, to conclude December, and our last review of uh, 2020. Uh, I uh, Hell yeah, I recommend this movie. It's only 70 minutes. It's going to fly by. You're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Don't take it too serious. I mean, if I had to pick one weak aspect, well, I mean, the whole film, it, the whole film's a guilty pleasure, but I really didn't care for the whole Nicholas and Mary love aspect. I felt that was kind of like unnecessary. You could have gotten rid of that, but it is what it is. I mean, it is a film that you can't take seriously. If you do, you're just gonna end up miserable. You're gonna pull your fucking hair out. You're gonna you're gonna be like Jim Cornette. You're just gonna lose your mind over this. So you can't you can't not look at this film with the aspects of uh, Academy Award winning acting. Santa Slay. It's not a long film. It's koopy as hell. There's a lot of corny shit that's involved in it, but it's to be expected. It's self-aware. It's like Jack Frost. It's super self-aware. And with that said, I, that's going to conclude um, our December Christmas movie list. Yay. And that's going to be our final episode of 2020. With that said, fans, don't forget to uh, subscribe and donate to us on patreon.com slash podcast to get for just $1.00. You get access to this episode long for other past episodes. <clears throat> Jesus. You God get one dollar to this. <laughs> that just came out. <laughs> At least it came out. Yeah, the like seeing the sleigh, it just for whatever reason came out. <laughs> one dollar, you get access to this episode, all our other past episodes on Patreon. Donate today, you can follow us on Twitter at Chillin' P1, Instagram, Chillin' Killin' Podcast. Follow me, Terminator Travis, at Silent Poison. That's on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, mostly every everywhere else. Monoxide YouTube, at Twitter. Uh, what's your Instagram? Owen underscore heart underscore guy. That's his Instagram. Follow us, rate us, subscribe to us, tweet to us, talk to us. What did you think of Santa's Lake? What did you think of all our other past films? Let us know. With that said, I think that's going to do it here. This is our last episode of 2020. Let's hope 2021 is a better year for everyone involved. For Monoxide, I am Terminator Travis. Happy holidays and a happy new year.